We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Joe Biden tells us that Vladimir Putin is trying to bend the free-thinking world to his menacing ways, while Biden himself has spent the entire last year trying to bend our country's free-thinking people to bow to his own menacing agenda. Orwell is alive. Winston Smith needs to wake up. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's Rebellion. Thanks so much for listening into the show. Thanks for your loyalty. Thanks for listening on KOKL Radio. Thanks for listening on the podcast versions of The Rebellion. Thanks for going out there to Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-star rating. And thank you for copying and pasting links to your favorite episodes and getting them out there in your social media networks. Thanks so much for your loyalty and support. We exceeded 68,000 listens last month. We're knocking on the door of 70,000. If you keep supporting us, I'm sure we'll surpass that in the next 30 days during the month of March. So thanks a ton. Appreciate all your support. Today's show is going to focus on George Orwell's novel, 1984. We hear about it all the time. Many people are referencing it repeatedly as we deal with so much of the garbage in the daily news. The thought police, the ministry of truth, right is wrong and wrong is right. Everything is turned upside down. We're constantly being lied to and we know it. But yet, like Winston Smith, the protagonist in Orwell's 1984, we're going along with the lie. We might try to resist it temporarily, but it appears in the end, the majority of the American people, the majority of the West, is drinking the Kool-Aid, buying the lie. We're coming to the point where we're actually going to, like Winston Smith in Orwell's novel, chant mindlessly and obediently for the sake of safety rather than freedom that two plus two equals five. So today's show is going to focus on a refresher course, if you will, of Orwell's novel and specifically the character of Winston Smith and why it's relevant, very relevant to today's discussion, because we are living the days of 1984. I'm going to talk about this and more on today's Rebellion. Let's take a break, and when I get back... It's going to be Winston Smith, George Orwell, and a list of the duplicity, the hypocrisy, the outright deception and lies of our current administration and the progressive left as they expect us to deny reality, buy into the narrative, and recite stuff as crazy as 2 plus 2 equals 5. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. Okay, I'm going to start out by giving you a quote from Joe Biden's State of the Union address. I want you to listen to it. It's very simple. It's very quick. And I want you to listen to it. And then we're going to dissect it. 
I'll probably include some other things that have been said outside of the State of the Union, but they all tie into this issue of 1984, this dystopian novel that George L. Orwell wrote back in the 40s, where he essentially saw what was happening in the Soviet Union. He saw what was happening as the result of the Second World War, and he was predicting a lot of this mind control and a lot of this inevitable bowing to Big Brother, because I want to remind you that Winston Smith in the novel, isn't necessarily a pure hero. In fact, some have claimed that he's an anti-hero because he ultimately gives in. At the end of the book, Winston Smith is not the hero. He doesn't defy Big Brother. He actually bows and calls him beautiful and does everything he's told to do. Betrays his friends, sells his soul, gives up his freedom for the sake of the comfort and the security, the safety of big government. That's the ultimate end of Winston Smith. Remember that. Remember that as we talk about that particular book, that novel, Joe Biden's State of the Union Address, and some other anecdotes that I'm going to bring up. Here's the quote from the State of the Union. Six days ago, Vladimir Putin sought to shake the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. Close quote, Joe Biden. State of the Union Address, 2022. One more time on that quote. Six days ago, Vladimir Putin sought to shake the free world, thinking he could make it bend to his menacing ways. Now, Joe Biden has said that. Here's the irony, and I hope you catch it even before I say it. Joe Biden says that after he has spent his entire first year as the president of the United States trying to bend the American free-thinking people in his own country to his menacing ways. Don't you see the irony here? Joe Biden is championing the free-thinking world, yet he tries to bend the will of the free-thinking people in the United States and the Western world to his menacing ways. He says nothing about others like Justin Trudeau that seek to bend the free-thinking people of Canada, like the pastor that's still in jail because he dared to have a service and pray with the truckers outside at the border as they were preparing to drive the Freedom Convoy to the Canadian capital and protest for nothing more than their right to just do their jobs and be left alone. But yet Joe Biden is lecturing Vladimir Putin about bending the will of the free-thinking world? Freedom? Really, you're going to talk about freedom. Here's another quote from Joe Biden. This is not about freedom or personal choice. We've been patient, and our patience is wearing thin, and your refusal has cost all of us. Close quote. Joe Biden, September 2021. Apparently, Joe Biden doesn't think freedom or personal choice are all that important at all. His patience is wearing thin because your refusal has cost all of us. Cost what? Our refusal to wear a mask has cost what? We know they don't work. Our refusal to get a medicine, a vaccine injected into our body that by definition is still experimental and we don't know the ultimate outcome, side effects of this particular drug 
And therefore, we'd like to say, hey, we'll hold off on that one a little bit longer until we really know what's going on in issues like fertility, cancer, heart disease, neuropathy, and other things that some have suggested could be side effects of this particular disease. Oh, don't call me a conspiracy theorist. There's lots of stuff out there that still says, slow this thing down a bit. We don't know. We're violating all of the time frames and all of the protocols that we've used for decades with regard to the approval of new medications. And even then we got some of them wrong. And this one, we're rushing, hell-bent toward the cliffs of all of the side effects and the negative consequences of this because we're drinking the Kool-Aid. Up is down and down is up. Slavery is freedom and freedom is slavery. Good is evil and evil is good. Science is voodoo and voodoo is science. That seems to be the nature of so much of what we're talking about today. Joe Biden talks about freedom while he tells you that this isn't about freedom or personal choice and that his patience is wearing thin because your demand for personal choice and freedom is costing all of us. Again, this is 1984. Welcome to Oceana. Welcome to the land of thought police and a ministry of truth which perpetuates lies. I mean, I just want to scream, Winston, Winston Smith, please wake up. Are we all Winston now? Now, the positive part about Winston is that he does question authority. Much of the book is about his quest to try to defy Big Brother. But again, I want to remind you that, it, that in the end, he succumbs. He's not victorious. He doesn't fight unto the death. He actually gives up because of his fears. Think of that as we wrestle with what we're dealing with today. You know, Winston's job was that he was employed by the Ministry of Truth, okay? The irony of that particular title, the Ministry of Truth, where he actually destroyed documents, okay? His job was to destroy obsolete documents and update, update all of the public record so that it would be consistent with Big Brother's narrative and the party's directives. Everything had to match the government. And if anything contradicted the government, then his job was to expunge that from the record, get rid of it. It didn't exist. That was Winston Smith's job within the Ministry of Truth. It was to perpetuate the big lie. Big Brother could never be wrong. So, as the story unfolds in 1984, Winston Smith struggles. He struggles with this. He has a conscience. There's still something left within him. Again, in that sense, he's a hero, but he's a tragic hero because he is tragically flawed, as are all of us. Remember that. We are all sinners. We are all broken. None of us are good. There's no such thing as a good person. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As a Christian, that's my world view. Part of the problem of today is we somehow think that there are good people, and we vote for good people, and we vote for good parties. No people are good, and no parties are good. We're all broken. We're all sinful. And the only remedy of this is redemption 
through repentance, confession. That's the only thing that'll cleanse the human heart and cleanse the human soul. Get rid of the tragic flaw. That's the thing that Orwell's 1984 misses because it focuses on Winston's fatalism and his selfishness and his isolation. And all of this ultimately leads to his own destructive downfall. And it seems to be it seems to be a prophecy, if you will, of humanity. There's not much redemption in 1984. There's not much salvation. There's not much hope. In fact, it's a very depressing book that leads you to believe that all will end badly. Everything's going to end badly because we will all succumb to selfishness, fatalism, and our own preservation, our own desire for safety rather than sacrificing anything for the higher goods, the more noble things, such as truth and freedom and life and liberty. Okay? The pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of purpose. Purpose. Winston had no purpose. Fatalistic, selfish, uh, hedonistic. Nothing existed beyond the material and the now. And frankly, that was Orwell's view also. So as Winston goes through life, he actually is challenged He's challenged by his job. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in his job. He's actually covertly rebelling. He's doing things that he knows that uh, are wrong. For example, he has his own private journal. And in that private journal, he writes critical things about Big Brother. Um, he doesn't believe that Big Brother has a monopoly on truth, even though Winston's job is to perpetuate that quote-unquote truth by rewriting truth and rewriting history and constructing it rather than just reporting it. Deconstructing it, too, by tearing it down and expunging the record, like I said, of anything that disagrees with the party narrative, with Big Brother's directive. Does this all sound familiar? There's the thought police that Winston confronts. He thinks the person is a friend. His name is O'Brien, but this guy is actually a secret agent who's been tracking Winston, surveilling Winston for years. Does this sound familiar? Do you feel like there's surveillance going on right now in your use of social media? Are you being tracked? Are you being identified? Are you being called domestic terrorists because you have concerns over the government's directives? Think about the school board meetings today and how people are being targeted by the National School Board Association in complicity with our Department of Justice as domestic terrorists. Again, a lot of parallels here. So Winston, Winston ultimately gets caught in the book 1984. And after enduring several months of torture, he tries to hold out. Ultimately, he finally breaks. And he's taken to room 101 which is an interesting label because it sounds like your college curriculum, doesn't it? Psychology 101, Biology 101, Political Science 101, Critical Theory 101. All of the things that we study in college, it's almost as if we're in room 101 and they're trying to break us. And as a college president, a former college president, I appreciate the analogy there. And I think it's apropos. So finally, what do they do in room 101? They confront Winston with his greatest fear. And I'm going to paraphrase it here. His greatest fear is the loss of safety because he fears being killed by rats. So they, they basically 
confront him through torture, mental torture, with this fear of being consumed, eaten by rats, and he ultimately, because he'd rather be safe than dead, better be red than dead? Remember that saying back in the 60s, where we actually, the patriots among us, were saying better dead than red. We can't succumb to the Soviet Union. We have to defend our freedom. And then we knew there were socialists, communists, peaceniks out there who were saying, no, better red than dead. They were reversing the equation. Evil, good, good, evil. Again, reversal of definitions. The, the, the saying, give me liberty or give me death, the iconic statement of the United States, give me liberty or give me death, was turned on its ear. We fear death, so take our liberty. That is the reversal of the better red than dead, better dead than red. And likewise, in today's COVID environment, we did the exact same thing. I've said it a thousand times on this show. It's almost as if we took the phrase, give me liberty or give me death, and turned it upside down, where we proudly declared, we fear death, so take our liberty. Take it all so that we can be safe. Safety over freedom, right? It's not about freedom. It's not about personal choice. We've been patient with you people, but our patience is is wearing thin, to quote Joe Biden. So ultimately, the end of the story with Winston is that he finally gives in. He's terrified. He's terrified. And he ultimately does this, and I want you to hear me on it. He does this. He pledges his loyalty to Big Brother and the party because he's afraid and he'd, bet he'd rather be red than dead. He'd rather be safe than free. Okay, so what does he ultimately do? He pledges his loyalty to Big Brother and the party. And any possibility of resistance or independent thought is gone. It's gone. Winston Smith ultimately does this. This is the analogy. This is the story. This is the symbol of ultimate capitulation to the lie. According to Orwell, he says he accepts the assertion of two plus two equals five, a phrase which has entered the lexicon of our day to represent obedience to ideology over rational truth or fact. Sound familiar? It should sound familiar. Two plus two equals five? That is exactly what this professor from Boston is saying now when she says that two plus two equals four is the product of white privilege. Well, what is two plus two if it isn't four? Is it three? Is it six? Is it 25? Is it five? If it's nothing but a social construct in any argument that there's an objective fact, an end to the equation that can't be refuted. If me saying that makes me a white supremacist, then two plus two equals five has become a phrase which has entered our modern day lexicon to represent obedience to ideology, ideology over rational truth or fact. Stop and think about some of the other stuff that's going on in culture right now that is exactly the same as saying two plus two equals five. Here are some examples. Bruce Jenner is a woman. That's not true. It's exactly the same as saying two plus two equals five. It's not true. It's not a fact. 
It's denying science. It's denying biology. It's denying the empirical, the evidence before your very eyes. How about birthing persons rather than nursing mothers? We're denying the reality that women give birth and men do not. How about the argument of gender fluidity, while the same people will then turn around in the next breath and say that they are born that way and that they can't change? You're arguing for fluidity, but then you're saying you can't change, even though you just said you could change on a minute-by-minute basis. Duplicitous and hypocritical at every turn. How about this? The earth is warming, even though it's not. How about climate change rather than global warming when we know that the globe isn't warming? Again, it's manipulation of language. We hear arguments about pro-science even when we know when it comes to biology and physiology, genetics, and DNA, these same people are not pro-science. Masks work when we know they don't. Kenosha is a peaceful protest, but yet January 6th is an insurrection? I didn't see any buildings burning on January 6th, did you? How about COVID vaccines? Well, they're proven to be safe, right? Even though we know this is not true because by definition, nothing has been proven yet. They're still experimental. They haven't been around long enough to know. Andrew Cuomo, was the hero of COVID mitigation, even though he sentenced thousands of elderly senior citizens to death by putting them back in these petri dishes in nursing homes. Rachel Levin is the highest ranking female appointment to her position in the government, even though she's not a woman. He is not a woman. This is a man, a biological man, pretending to be a woman, blackfacing women, insulting them by pretending to be something he's not, culturally appropriating femaleness unto himself and thereby offending anybody who is truly a female. Rachel Dissol, this white woman up in, I believe it was Oregon, who claimed that she was African-American. She's not. She's white. Here's another one. Saying all lives matter is racist while calling white people less than human. That's a quote. That's a quote from Nick Cannon. Is not? That's not racist? Judging people by their character rather than their color is now considered white supremacy. So I guess if I subscribe to the admonition of Martin Luther King Jr., the icon of the civil rights movement, that I now don't stand for civil rights. Here are a couple more to add to your dictionary of doublespeak. Screaming F Donald Trump is not profane, but saying, let's go, Brannon is? Buying over 600,000 barrels a day of Russian oil isn't bad for the environment, but producing our own oil is? Prices are skyrocketing, but the economy is good. Champions of freedom tell you to screw your freedom. I'm referring to Arnold Schwarzenegger, and essentially, by inference, Joe Biden too. Burning churches is understandable, according to Justin Trudeau, but protesting truckers who just want to do their jobs, they're not understandable. They should be jailed. Stuff like this, I can't tolerate your intolerance. I hate you hateful people. I'm sure that nothing is sure, and I know nothing can be known. You hear that all the time from the left, from Joe Biden's party, 
from those who believe in the subjective over the objective, in feelings over facts. People who believe that a painting has a painter or a book has a writer, but the human being has no creator, and that we just happen by chance. It's like saying that the watch came together by chance. You put that watch in a paper bag and hit it a thousand times with a hammer and then shake it. Let's see how long it takes for it to come back together as a working watch. This claim that somehow the complexity of the human being, just the complexity of the eye, let alone anything else, the eye itself would prove that happenstance and chance can't be, can't be, the explanation for our existence. We hear these chants of exclusion in the name of inclusion, of hate under the banner of love, of pride is good but humility is not, confession and repentance are somehow bad, that we're defined by our desires, for all our desires are good except the ones that we declare are bad, like a desire for freedom over safety. So we live in a land of duplicity. We live in the land of Orwell. But the good that Orwell misses is the result of his, his worldview. He believes that human beings are nothing but material. He believed that, I should say. Obviously, he's dead, past tense. He believed that human beings were nothing but the material, that we are nothing but a bag of biology, and that when we die, it's over. There's no reason to exist other than to imbibe our pleasures. And therefore, this struggle that Winston Smith goes through is ultimately a fatalistic struggle, one with no ultimate value other than just continuing his existence, survival, if you will, of the fittest. So he became part of the fit, the party, the Orwellian group, rather than those fighting for independence and freedom and willing to give their lives for that because they believed that there was something beyond the temporal. There was something beyond the material. That is the story of 1984. That is the story of Winston Smith. I would argue that is the story of our time. At least the underbelly of the story of our time, the negative part of the story of today. The lying, the deception, the doublespeak, lies being perpetuated by the ministry of truth, browbeating people into submission by forcing them to say two plus two equals five, that men are women, and that there's no such thing as nursing mothers, but only birthing persons. This is outrageous. This is insane. This is crazy. Bruce Jenner is not a woman. Rachel Dazal is not black. Rachel Levine is not a female. Two plus two equals four, people. Keep saying it over and over again. Men are real. Women are real. Two plus two equals four. Don't allow yourself to be browbeat into submission or you ultimately will give up everything, your integrity and even your own soul for the sake of safety under the banner of Big Brother. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.